theyeshiva.net. We'll do Vayadabir from the beginning of Asaras Adibris. Go to Bamidbar. Right after what we finish, page 30, the next shtickle, Vayadabir. Midbar page 30 by Dabra Lakimis called Varamela Lamer. Got it? Yes. Okay, perfect. Daf Tesvav, column 3. If you like the Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew ones. This Mimer. Vayidaber Elikim opens up with, of course, the first pasuk of the opening of the Aseris Adibris. It's in Bamidbar because it's part of the Shavuos Maimarim. And it was said by the Balatanya on, on, uh, on Shavuos in the year Tovkuf Samaches. Tovkuf Samaches would be in English 1808. 1808. And... Um, it focuses on the opening of the Aseris Adibris, but as usual, we'll uh, move on to explore some of fundamental aspects of the Aseris Adibris and of Torah and Mitzvahs in general. So let's begin. <laughs> the opening of Aseris Adibris is Hashem spoke all of these words. It says, and he begins, and he goes through the Aserah Zadibris, which is what the Jewish people experienced and heard and saw on, Matan Tard, on the day of Matan Tarek. This is already a question of a Farsham ask. It says, You don't have to say, the speaker got up and he said all of these words and then start saying what he said. Just say what he told me. Like it always says, and then it says what he said, right? Do this. And he says, whatever. Say, Hashem spoke, and tell me what he said. Obviously, when he'll finish the speech, I'll know that he said all these things. Why the introduction? What's this? The word ha'ela represents, it demonstrates something that is apparent, it's conspicuous, it's revealed. It's It's exposed. It's conspicuous. means these words. When you say ela, you could point to it. You could say, right, here are my children, here are my talmidim, here's my, whatever it is, ela is this. It's something visible. That's why Mishnah Torah begins with those words. Mishnah 
שאינה בבחינס התורה עצמו, שנאמר בו וידבר השם על מוישה בבחינס הלם, אלא הוא גילוי התורה עד שדיבר מוישה על כל ישראל. This is the distinction he's making between Mishnah Torah and the other Svarim. Mishnah Torah is a record of Moshe's speech to the Jewish people. He goes through Moshe in the last weeks of his life, beginning from Rishchid Shvat till the seventh day of Adar, gave his final will and testament, so to speak, to Klal Yisrael. That speech is recorded in Sefer Dvarim. That's what Sefer Dvarim is, which is called Mishnah Torah, the repetition of Torah. Mishnah is... Shani, second. The repetition of Torah. So Ra- when he's using Mishnah Melech, is he using poetically? Poetically, he- of course. So poetically. Okay. okay. Melech here means Rosh or Melech means Moshe Rabbeinu? No, Melech is Rabbi So the first Svarim, we didn't hear from Hashem. Hashem speaks to Moshe. He's the only one who heard it. We heard it all from Moshe. All the mitzvahs, besides Aser Sadibras. We heard it from Moshe. Mishnah Torah is Be'ezgalia. Mishnah Torah, the message from its source is revealed because the source is Moshe. The source is Moshe. That's why it's called Mishnah Torah, which is Mishnah Lamelech. Mishnah Lamelech means, so to speak, like second to the king. Second to the king. In other words, it's not the Torah itself, where Hashem speaks to Moshe, which is completely concealed. It's Moshe revealing the Torah, because the origin is Moshe. It's Moshe speaking. It's not a message that the king gave over to the Mishnah Lamelech, so to speak, to give over to the people. It's the Mishnah Lamelech himself giving over the message to the people. All of Torah Shabal Peh is, is Galia, it's revealed. What is Torah Shabal Peh? Torah Shabal Peh brings out, it explains, it explores Torah Shabal Peh. Torah Shabal Peh, who derech, pirush, ubira, mitzvah, shem behalem b'Torah Shabal Peh is the way, it's the path, and it's the commentary and the explanation on all the mitzvahs. From Torah Shabal itself, as we know, most mitzvahs would be incomprehensible. Unfathomable. We wouldn't know what to do. Torah Shabal Peh brings it out. On all of this, he says, All these words. Hashem spoke not only he spoke we want to say he spoke all these words which words? the words that are defined by Eila the words that are conspicuous that are visible the Eila Dika words what does this include? it includes not only the Taryag Mitzvahs that he tells Moshe but it includes the whole Mishnah Torah and it includes the whole Torah Shabal Peh it's all part of the Vayidabar Elikim does he mean Asgali in terms of that it's Megala what the Torah means or the I think it's Galia here is on two levels. Number one, that the source is revealed. In other words, Moshe is speaking to the Jewish people. It's not Moshe is repeating what he heard, so to speak, privately. That's number one. On a very practical level, the, the original source is revealed, and of course that's also true by Teresh Peh. Teresh Peh is not something that's created in heaven. It's created in the Beis Medrash. It's created in the Sanhedrin. It's created in the Yeshiva. And number two is he's talking about Esgali in the sense that it brings out the Torah Lidei Giloi. That's of course the function of Torah Shabbat but also Mishnah Torah was that. The Pasuk says in Parashas Dvarim, Hoyel Moshe, Ba'ashta Yasser, on Rishchei Deshvat, Hoyel Moshe, Be'er Es HaTorah Hazay Sleiman. The function of Mishnah Torah was to remind them, to clarify, to explain, to bring out some details that were not clear. 
So generally, that was also an element of Gili, of course. The was something different in the whole Torah? It is different. The Gemara says, Mishnah Torah, Moshe Mepi Amra. This is Moshe's speech. The previous four parts of Torah is not Moshe's speech. Yeah. It says, Vayidaber Hashem El Moshe Lamer. Or it's the stories that happened. Or it's what Hashem told Moshe. Sometimes it has what Moshe told Hashem also. Or what Moshe told the Jewish people. That's part of it. But Mishnah Torah from beginning to end is not Hashem speaking. It's Moshe telling the story. Yeah. And in, in Mishnah Torah you'll have a second Aserah Sadibris too. Moshe repeats the story of Aserah Sadibris in Parshas Veschana. Like he repeats the story of the Miragum, like he repeats the story of Shvira He repeats many stories. He, goes, he sums up the 40 years, basically, and he tells them the mitzvahs, many of the mitzvahs. Here there's a long parenthesis, which is usually a, a footnote of his grandson of the Tzemach Tzedek, who always has the references, Gemara, Zoya, Medrash, and so forth. After the parenthesis, you see, he right away brings, I'm Gemara Perik, in the I'm Gemara Perik, I'm the Chagigit of Gimel Amad Beis, Gabi Nitnu Meiroya Echad. The Gemara says that what? That all the different opinions were given from one shepherd. Don't think you're going to respect this view and, and, and reject this view. It's all from Raya Echen. And what did the Gemara bring? So you see clearly that the Gemara in Chagigah, when it speaks about Kol Hadvarim, what does the Gemara see? Kol Hadvarim, a reference to the whole Torah Shabalpa. The Kulam, Vayidabar Elikim, Besinai. All of them is Vayidabar Elikim, and the point is Elikim. Shemistamsem, Oyrin Saif Baruch Hubchinas Elikim, Midas Hatsimtsum. The, the divine energy, the divine presence shrinked itself. It contracted itself. It restricted itself in a state of what we call Elikim, which is Midas Hatsimtum, which represents the Mida of, of self-limitation. All of these words, like Chazal say, that we heard the Gvura. The term is Gvura, which which represents restriction. So when it says, we heard the Mepiah Gvura, it's not just a youth, another name for Hashem. The point is, Mepiah Gvura, there was an element of Midas HaTzimtzum here, all compressed in Midas HaLekim. As he's going to explain. So it says, Vayidaber Elikim is Kaladvarim, Elanat Vayidaber Hashem, that is meticulous. Generally, we see that Matan Torah happened with a lot of fanfare. It was a rash. It was a huge, huge tumult, huge noise. A lot of noise. Koilus sounds, broken lightning. It wasn't just Hashem spoke. Hashem spoke to Avram, he spoke to Noach, he spoke to Adam, he spoke to Yaakov, he spoke to Yitzchak, he spoke to Lovan, he spoke to Avimela, he spoke to a lot of people. But here, he didn't just speak. It was a whole huge experience. It came with, uh, as we would say, the fireworks, but not just fireworks, heavenly fireworks. Huh? A lot, yeah. Now, ostensibly, when you read the Aseris Adibris, it's really basic civil law. At least a lot of them, right? Don't murder, don't commit adultery, which is basically the... the the, the elemental, the basic elementals for a civilization to function. If people were to be allowed to murder, so then it's, you can't have a civilization. Or people could steal, people could take each other's families and spouses, there's no ownership. So you have complete anarchy to the point of uh, just endless violence. It's basically called the Alam Gvar, survival of the fittest. So the Chayr, it's a Dover Pashat. Any logical person who wants to create some type of society, you need some constitution 
to create respect for boundaries and borders. He says it's Dvarim Shutim. We know in history, unfortunately, it's not such Dvarim Shutim. He doesn't mean Dvarim Shutim that there's no Yitzhahara. Dvarim Shutim means the need for it is a Dava Parshim. A person can never strike a Yitzhahara for Sinaf, and then it's not such a Dava Parshim. And unfortunately, Yitzhahara too. Nonetheless, Hashem gives the Aseris Adibris with such fanfare, as though, as though it's, a, it's going to be hard to accept. And in order for you to accept it, it has to come with a lot of side effects to be able to impress the message, to be able to inculcate the message. Why the need for the fanfare? The pshat is, ki tachlis nesinus is is the tachlis of Nesinus HaToyda was not just to give over messages, to give over data, information, including mitzvahs. Tachlis of Nesinus HaToyda was there should be gilui erin seif baruch umamish. What does this mean? There should be gilui, literally the revelation or the experience. There should be the experience, the internalization of erin seif baruch umamish, of the energy of the infinite one himself, literally. Shekishmoi keinu einloi seif. Which, as the name implies, it's called Ein Saif. In Kabbalah and Chassidus, Hashem is always called Ein Saif, the infinite one, the endless one. Literally, it means there's no end to it. So, this is what it is Ein Saif. Hamalubish and this Ein Saif is manifested in Torah, Shahu Chachmasi is Baruch. Because Torah is his personal wisdom, it's the way he thinks. The Rambam, this is a lashon of the Rambam, and in many places, Hashem and His wisdom are one. All the Rambam's words, The Rambam finishes, He is the Mada, the instrument of knowledge. He is the knower and He is the known. By a person, you have three concepts. You have the Mada, you have the Yedeya, you have the Dua. Yedeya is the person who knows. Mada is the instrument of knowledge, the mind, the brain. And Yedua is the concept that becomes known. Yesterday I didn't know about it, today I learn about it. By Hashem, the Rambam says, Hu amad, hu ayedeya, hu ayedua. He is one with his chachma. He is indivisible. His wisdom is indivisible. And everything he knows is not new knowledge that he acquires from outside. Like I learn about a country, I learn about a concept, or I learn about a phenomena, or I learn about uh, a, a, an idea. So it's new stuff that my brain now has to incorporate and internalize. But since everything comes from him, so he knows it by knowing him. So basically, it's all part of self-knowledge. This is all the Rambam. So he says, he is one with his Chachma. The Chachma is him. He is the Chachma. So therefore, when you say he's Malubish and Torah and he's Ain't Saif, it's not that Torah is something separate. His Chachma is one with him. What Matan Torah tried to accomplish, and that was the reason for the fanfare, for the Rash, the Kailas of Rakam, was not just to tell people not to kill and not to steal. This is one of the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noyach. Why wouldn't the Shabbat Mitzvah Benenech give him Barash or Barakim? says that's not what you needed the Barakim for, to tell people to behave like normal people. It's important, of course, it's important. It's the foundation of civilization. But you didn't need the Barakim. The Raj, the Barakim, the Koilus was, there should be, there should be able to be the experience of a person should be able to have intimacy with Hashem. What does it mean to have intimacy with Hashem? With absolute infinity. And it should be Bidvarim Gashmam Dafka. This experience should be able to take place within physical matter, within the physical world. He says, this is the Hemshech. 
Hashem spoke all of these words. The pshat is in order to be able to say Anoichi Hashem Alekecha. What does this mean? The Hainu Lias Anoichi Hu Muhusei Vatsmusi is Baruch Mamish B'Pchinas Gilia Chayi Nikre Alekecha. This is what he's teaching now. Vayidabre Alekimas Kol Advarim Eila. All these words were said lamer that a person should be able to say Anoichi Hashem Alekecha. What does it mean a person should be able to say? Lamer. A person should be able to feel, to experience. Lamer. There should be a gilui of Anoichi Hashem Alekecha. What's Anoichi? Anoichi means me. There's no name. Who is me? I. Anoichi is I. Who is I? It's beyond names. It's beyond descriptions. In other words, it's mohusivat mosi. It's the essence. This should be able to be experienced to the point that it's called Alekecha. Your God. Anoichi. I. I. I am who I am. My essence becomes your God. It becomes yours. It belongs to you. You own it. It's yours. That's the difference between a noichi and a lekecha. When you say I, what does, what's I? What's I? Which part of you is I? This is mohusevats musa. It's, it's the I beyond names. There's the I, the way it's described. It's described in a name. Whether it's a name that we call you or a name in a more broader sense, like the name that you have, the reputation that you have, even to yourself. When you think of yourself, what do you think of? You think of yourself in your pure essence. It's very hard even to think about an essence because the moment you're thinking about it, it's already in words. And words usually don't capture the essence, even to yourself. Vaharaya, talk to somebody about sports or about the weather or about Trump and they can have to speak to you for four hours. Now tell somebody, describe to me your deepest essence. And they'll usually, even after two hours, won't be able to come up with an answer. I don't understand. Sports, the weather, or Trump are alien things to you on some level. Maybe not sports. So how is it that you could speak about it so easily for so long without interruption? And when one asks you about your essence, this is the Chmamish you. Now the words should flow. The answer is that words, even if you're honest with the person, words are containers. As containers, they're limiting. And because they're limiting, there's no words to capture the essence, which is why the human race from the beginning of time invented new means of communication because we always realized how impoverished words are, even though words are the gift of humanity and what distinguishes us from animals. Vahiya Adam Lenefesh Chaya, the Targum says, Leruach We're called Medaber, not Doimim, not Semech, not Chaimim. But still, words themselves could be so limiting. And that's why we invented the language we call poetry. What's poetry? Poetry are also words, but why was poetry invented? Because poetry could sometimes capture sentiments that ordinary words will not. And then we invented music. Why music? Speak. Again, music touches a place. It captures sentiments. It captures dimensions of the self that are deeper than words. And then the most important thing we invented was the sound of silence, which captures even more than what poetry and music can capture. So what's this? Because anoichi is the atzmos of a person. By a person I'm talking about. Who are you? I. Beyond description, beyond definitions. Anoichi. I am. All names do not do justice to this. I told you once, the Medrash says, the Medrash says that every person has three dimensions. There's who you are, there's who you think you are, there's who other people think you are. There's who other people think you are. And I would add a fourth dimension. This is what you tell the Shatchin who you are. That's a fourth dimension. didn't know about that. But that's a fourth dimension. 
So what is it? Who you are and who you think you are are not the same person because who you think you are is how you're defining yourself. And that's even if you're functional. And if you're dysfunctional, then it's Bechlal not connected. But the I itself is completely beyond description. That's the definition. That's what, Now talk about Hashem. When you say Elekecha means Anoichi Hashem Elekecha. I am your God. I'm your God. You made me, you created with me, I'm yours. You say, this is your house. You paid a million dollars for it, it's your house. It's your car, it's your business, it's your job. Yeah, it's your husband, your wife. Yeah, you married them. This, what do you mean, he's your God? Well, you own him, you created him, you, you define him. What do you mean, yours? What, they owned him? They made him? They didn't make him. He made them, they didn't make him. Alekecha means, your God means, the way you capture God. The way, what God is for you, what God means for you. That's not God, that's what God means for you. It's also God, but it's not God, you understand? What do, what do I mean for you? Is that me? What do I mean for you? Is that me? Is that me myself? No. It's how I affect others. It's the relationship, it's the relationship. Every person has two aspects, their essence and their PR mechanism, public relations mechanism. PR doesn't only begin with other people. It begins with yourself. Your PR to yourself. What do you tell yourself about yourself? Even if you think about yourself, which is in itself a chiddush. Right? So, Elikei Avram, how do you define Hashem? There's a pasuk in Tehillim, many say Shabbos morning in the, before, before, before Haidu, in the beginning, before Pesuk of the Zimra. David HaMelech says, Ani adati gadol Hashem I know that God is great. So there's a taich, one of the the, the, the tzaddikim, one of the Talmudia of Hashem, says, Ani Hashem. Most people touch the Pasuk, they, 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 they put the emphasis on the later part of the Pasuk. But really the emphasis is also on the beginning of the Pasuk. I know. And the way I know it, nobody else knows it. There's something about life that only you know, nobody else knows it. In right, the middle of the night, there's an element of Yaakov who's alone. Aniyadati, this is what you know, this is how you experience Hashem. And your experience is based on your brain, on your consciousness, on your soul, on your capacity. That's Elekecha. I am your God. What makes me yours? That you're open to a relationship. But that relationship, by necessity, is defined by you. It's what you can grasp of me. What does Hashem mean to you in your life? It's an interesting exercise to do. It's more than interesting. What does God mean to you? What is the, I once told you, what's the word that, that your mind conjures up when you hear the word Hashem or God? What's the first instinctive word? Most people, you, if I have to ask you, when you hear the word God, Hashem, Elikim, HaKadosh Baruch, whatever, instinctively, it brings something up, a thought, a feeling, an emotion, an instinct, maybe a picture by many. Especially if you didn't think about it since you were a child. So when you were four years old, when you heard God, it came with a picture, because everything comes with pictures. That picture may still be with you. And if you were to draw that picture, what does it look like? I'm not telling you to think about it and then give an answer from thought because that's not you. That's not your experience. You're repeating a shear. I'm talking about what you experience instinctively when you hear the word God. You know what most people experience? Fear. Yeah. Fear. And what's the picture they experience? What's the picture you have? 
Don't worry, everybody's in the same boat. You're not the only one, trust me. Lightning, thunder, right? Eyes, eyes, scary eyes. Your older brother, your father, your Zayda, your boss, your Shriger, right? He takes on, sometimes he takes on a person. He pushes like a person. Some wind, blackness, darkness, gray. Now understand, this is the classic definition of Avodah <laughs> An image, a picture. No one means to do Avodah but that's what it is. Moshe says, Get rid of the pictures. We can't get rid of the pictures because they're ingrained and we just keep on coming back to them. So let's understand. All of this means that all of our religion is still based on a conception of God that we experienced when we were two or three or six or seven. And many people never extricate themselves from that definition, from that label. That label remains. And it's complete label created by a human being, which may be accurate or may be inaccurate or may be much worse than inaccurate, may be actually misleading and, and, and oppressive and damaging. But that's what the person has. And sometimes a person could be 40, a person could be 70, but that picture still comes up. When they say Baruch Hashem, if they're even thinking, if they're even thinking, what's the picture that comes up immediately? Again, this is before the philosophy, before explanations. That's already superimposed stuff. You said over a vart. I'm not saying what you say over a vart. I'm talking about the instinct that emerges immediately in your psyche, in your consciousness when you hear the word. You know, uh, uh, they say an old joke that there was a teacher who did this experiment with the kids and said, you know, tell me the first word that comes up when you hear God. Write it down on a piece of paper and give it a... So this was a Hebrew school, so one kid wrote Hanukkah, Purim, Menorah, Torah, Israel, whatever, you know, Yom Kippur. So one child wrote scale. So the teacher says, what in the world is the connection? She says, I don't know, we, we're in a family of atheists, but all I know that whenever my mother gets on the scale, she screams out, oh my God. So this was her association with God, right? But it's not only a joke because... That's sometimes what God is. You know, He becomes a scale or whatever that thing is, a cotton candy, uh, uh, a drill. Somebody once told me it's an electric drill. That's what he imagines. An electric drill. Dark, uh, dark eyes from a cloud are very common. It's a picture people get, you know, the heavens, clouds, it's dark. It's dark eyes. Elekecha is your God. Who is your God? Who is your God? Now, even in the profoundest way, it's yours. It's your definition. Who is your wife to you? Who is your husband to you? Who is your child to you? It's not necessarily who your child is. I'm going to quote a philosopher who once said, we don't love other people, we love our version of them. You understand? We don't love other people, we love our version of them. We create a version of the other person, and that's what we like. And you know what the problem is? One day we learned that our version was inaccurate. And suddenly it's like, whoa. Oh, I never, this was a mekechtos. I loved my version of you. Problem is, this wasn't you. I would say, many marriages, especially uh, today's days, have this issue. You loved your version of your boy, your girl, whoever it is. Suddenly, you learn that they are not your version. They are they. It's like, whoa. Oh, that's a mekechtos. It's time to move on. I don't want to get into this barichus now. But this is the oimek, the oimek of the whole story of Yaakov and Rachel and Leah.
the wife Yaakov thinks he's marrying, he doesn't marry. He marries a different wife. He thinks he's marrying Rachel, he marries Leah. This is not a story about Yaakov, it's a story about every single person. Because Rachel and Leah are metaphors, they're the same person. Rachel is your version of your wife, and Leah is your wife. It says this in Zoya, in, 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 as usual, Malatanya says this, Rachel is Alma de Izgalia, Leah is Alma de Iskasia. In simple words it means, Rachel is your version of your spouse, Leah is your hidden spouse, meaning who she is, not who you think she is, or the box you put her into, or you put him into. No difference, men or women, the concept is the same. That's why we do the Badakinesh. What's the Badakinesh? It is a strange custom for somebody who was never at a Jewish religious wedding. And it doesn't really look good in 2016 to cover a woman under the chuppah. Especially in some circles where she's really eclipsed. She doesn't see anything. So when he puts the ring on her, he doesn't see her. She doesn't see him. Great marriage. The most important moment, he doesn't look at her. She doesn't look at him. Don't you think when you marry your wife, you should at least see who you marry? Make sure it's not Hillary? <laughs> it's a pelagodl. So we take it for granted. You do it, you do it, you do it. So there's different explanations. The deepest explanation is this. What we're telling you is, and listen to this, the aside of marriage is what you see is not the full picture. You have to be ready to marry that which you don't see. You have to be ready to marry Leah, not only Rachel. If you only marry the person you see, you may be very disappointed. And this is going to be a short-lived relationship because we all grow and people change and life develops people. What I know today is not what I knew a year ago. Think about who you were at the age of 16, who you were at the age of 20, who you were at the age of 25, 30, 35, etc. And life changes people, both because they grow, hopefully, and because of circumstances, whether it's, it's halila grief or, you know, life, life is life. It's tough. It could be tough. So you have to know that you're marrying Leah, you're not marrying Rachel. Leah is Alma de Skasia. Leah means not my version of my spouse, but my spouse. And you know what? People hate Leah. They don't like Leah. They love Rachel. We love the spouse that fits in to our paradigm. That's what I like. You know why? Because that fits. It suits my ego. It's like somebody once came to a rabbi. He says, you know, I can't be married. He says, why? He says, simply, I thought I'm getting a BMW. I got a Buick. You remember the Buicks? <laughs> Father drove a Buick? No? <laughs> he drove a blue station wagon, yeah? A blue station wagon. I thought I'm getting a BMW. I got a Buick. So the Rav told him, well, the problem is you were looking for a car, not for a spouse. Right? With a car, what you see is what you get, unless the car dealer is a crook. Huh? Shem doesn't change. We change. Eloikecha is your God. It's your version. It's what you're... Now, that's true. That could be true. I'm not saying it's dysfunctional. It could be. But it's yours. Anoichi is me. Who I am. Says the Balatanya Moira All these words, in other words, the whole Torah was what? Lamer. To be able to accomplish, to be able to reveal that a noichi should become a lekecha. Your God should be a noichi. So they should match. They should match. 
or the way he puts it here in his Lashon, is it should be Gilui Oirein Soif Baruch Hu Mamish Bidvarim Gashman. The Oirein Soif Baruch Hu Mamish, which is Ain Soif, which is infinite, so it can be my version of it, because my version is my version. That was the Chiddush of Antayr. The whole drama, the Rash, the Kailas, the Brokim, was not to tell us, Loi Sir Tzach, you shouldn't kill. That's the Shev Mitzvah Bnei Noyach, we're told. That's of course a Yisoyed. It's to be able to, in the Loi Sir Tzach experience, and in all of the Asaris HaDibras, that a noichi should become a lekacha. In other words, your version of God should be God. Your version of God should be God. Which is also a name. I'm saying it because I have no other name. That's why the name that he always chooses is Ein Soif. Ein Soif means infinity. It's harder to do a picture for infinity. Think, now make a picture of infinity. Infinity will usually not be scary. <laughs> Infinity will usually not be black. And infinity will usually not be your enemy. Right? Because what does infinity mean? Infinity means reality. Reality. Now, we don't have a picture for that. It's, it's, a, it's a maturing process to get from Elekecha to Hashem to Anoichi. We'll see these three stages here. Anoichi, Hashem, Elekecha. So, Vaidabri Elekimas Kol Hadvarim Me'ele is what? The whole point was... There should be a noichi Hashem alekecha that the noichi should be bebchinas gilui, that the two should match the true essence of who I am. That should be who you have, who you have. I should become yours. I should be yours. In other words, you should have a relationship with me for real, with the real me, not a relationship with an image of me that may be me and may not be me, or may just be a poor reflection, or may be completely erroneous. It may be completely, completely erroneous. After one of the shirim on Sunday, somebody came over to me, a woman actually, and uh, she said something very interesting. She said that uh, she's very sensitive, she's spiritually very sensitive. So she said that her whole life, as her married life, she was extremely frustrated with her husband. That he's not this, he's not this, he's not that. She's always angry and nervous and frustrated and annoyed. And then she started to work on herself. She learned about different things and she started to really develop herself, work on herself. And she, at some point she realized that, you know, she, the only person you could change is yourself. You can't change anybody else in the world. The only real person you could change is yourself, right? Mr. Salanta said famously that uh, when he was young he decided he's going to change the world. When he got older he so he can't change the world, he'll change the country, and then he realized he'll change the city. Then he decided the community, and then he realized he can't, he'll change his family. He says, now I'm an old man and I realize the only person I could change is myself. So I'll work on myself. And then he added, and if I would have realized this when I was young, by now I could have changed the world. So that's what she tells me about herself. And then she says, and I did a lot, a lot of work. And then when I came to the other side, I realized that my husband was there already. All my annoyance, all my frustration was completely my paradigms imposed on him. And I saw that what, what he, he was taking things for granted because he was in a different space and I couldn't, I couldn't experience it. Now that was a very, very uh, deep thing to hear from somebody. That sometimes your entire experience of another person is completely based on your dysfunctional or abused or limited paradigms. You get annoyed with them, you get, why aren't you this? And it's completely 
based on how I'm measuring you. I completely don't know who you are. I don't have the space to know who you are. I can't. Not even my fault. There's too much toxicity in me. So I'm always making pictures of you based on who I am. I don't even have the space to know. One of the deepest psukim about relationships is Adam Yada Eschava. He Pasha took the time to find out who Chava is, not who he thinks she is. Who she is? Why? The Eitzadas. He had to realize that now it's not going to be easy to know people. Now you have to work hard. The Eitzadas created toxicity. Toivira. Toivira means self consciousness. You're not clear in them anymore. Once you're not clear anymore, you have to take time to know Chava. Before that, it was good. He gives her a name, Aim Kol Chai. Okay, a lot to talk about in this. Uh. <laughs> okay, by Midbar, page summation here is that uh, the question was raised what's the words is superfluous apparently which by the way this is as I said this Mepharshim Rashi asks it. Rashi says as Kol teaches that uh, all the Dvarim was said Hashem spoke all the words together but the point is that the words are difficult to understand. They seem completely unnecessary. So the way the Lakut Torah explained it is that Ha'ela represents that which is revealed, that which is Be'izgalia. You could point to it, you could say these words, which basically refers, at least homiletically, to two aspects of Torah. One is Mishnah Torah, Sefer Dvarim, and one is Torah Shabal Peh. Torah Shabal Peh, the whole function of Torah Shabal Peh is to be Megala Torah to explain it, to elaborate on it, to uh, clarify what it means, as well as Mishnah Torah. Mishnah Torah is what Moshe told the Jewish people, not what Hashem told Moshe. In other words, it was something that was revealed because they heard it straight from Moshe. Mm-hmm. With the other Svarim, Hashem spoke to Moshe privately, and then Moshe gave it over to the Jewish people. Now, when we say Moshe spoke Mishnah Torah, it doesn't mean he said his own words. He said it as a prophet. So why the Gemara says that Mishnah Torah Moshe mipi atzmai amra, Mishnah Torah Moshe said himself. Gemara Megillah. So Tosfos says Baruch Hakodesh. So what's the difference between uh, between Mishnah Torah and the other Svarim? The point is that by Mishnah Torah, the ideas were so to speak filtered through Moshe's mind. It was Moshe speaking. Moshe was a prophet, but it was Moshe speaking. Where the first Svarim, so to speak, wasn't filtered through Moshe's mind. So that's why Ela refers to. Mishnah Torah. So, Vaidabra Lekimis Kaladvarim Elelamer means what? That all of this, all of this, the whole is Galia, is all Nichol and Aseris Adibris. What Hashem spoke was, is Kaladvarim all these words, in other words, even Torah Shabiksav, Torah Shabalpen, even Mishnah Torah, it's all part of Kaladvarim Elelamer, that all aspects of Torah, also those that are part of Elelamer, Mishnah Torah and Torah Shabalpen, are all included in the Aseris Adibris. So what he's going to discuss about Matan Torah, the Koyach of Aseris Adibris, includes all parts of Torah. And all of them was Vayidabar Elikim, he said, Dafke Midas Elikim, which is Midas Adin, because 
because uh, um, Hashem communicated to the Jewish people even the Dvarim Ha'ela, that which was revealed to the Jewish people, so that required and there should be some Midas HaTzimtzum to be able to compre- compress that infinity to be able to relate it to the Jewish people. From this he went on to discuss why there was such noise, such fanfare, such drama by Matan Taira. Just to communicate, or they seem to be elementals, basic stuff of every civilization. Why did you need such a big rash? So he says because the tachlis of the, the rash, the, 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 the tumul of Matan Taira, the commotion, the tremendous uh, drama of Matan Taira, wasn't just to give over a mitzvah, rather it represented something. Because the tachlis of Nesina Satayra was that the person should be able to experience the Ein Saif Mamish, the infinite one himself, which is Ein Saif, it's literally infinite. And that's enclosed in Taira, which is his wisdom, and he and his wisdom are one, so therefore you can't separate between him and his wisdom. So in the Taira you have literally the Ein Saif. And this Taira was given to a material person, dealing with material issues of life, so that the Ein Saif should be expressed and revealed, he says, Mamish in, in the physical, in the physical life of the person. And that's the meaning, The word Lamer is also superfluous. Lamer usually means to repeat to other people. Lamer, to repeat, but here everybody was there. So why does it say Lamer? The Pshat is, he teaches, that every Jew for all generations, Hashem spoke all of these words, Lamer, they should be able, for Jews throughout all the generations, Lamer, they should be able to reveal that that I, I represents the essence, which is beyond description, beyond the resume, beyond names, beyond the way you experience me, you describe me, you define me, it's I, Anoichi I, which is the essence should be able to become Elekecha, that should become your God. What is your God? So it's interesting, the only shame of Hashem that becomes individual to people is shame Elekim. Right? There's no changes in shame Havaya or shame Shindaladyu, there are other names of Hashem. They always remain identical, uniform. When it comes to shame Elekim, suddenly it becomes a custom-made name. Elekai, Elekecha, Elekeinu, how do you do that with Yud Kevavke? You want to say, it's your Yud Kevavke. There's no way, it's Yud Kevavke. With Shem Elikim, it suddenly becomes individualized. My God, Elikai, Elikecha, Elikechem, Elikeinu. It's suddenly ours. Mine. What do you mean it's mine? It's not mine, it's God. I, I, own, I own Him, I created Him, I formed Him, it's mine. What does it mean, mine? So the way the Balatanya explains it is that this, this is what Shem Elikim represents. Shem Elikim represents... How I experience Him. It's, it's, it's what God means for me. And what He means for me may not be what He means for you. It could be something else for every person. That's what we say, Elu ve'elu divrei elekim chayim. It's opposite views. How can they both be divrei elekim chayim? He's contradicting himself. We don't say, Elu ve'elu divrei Hashem chayim. Divrei elekim chayim. Because that's what Shem elekim is. Shem elekim is Lashen Rabbim also. It's plural, Shem elekim. Why is it plural? Eleka is singular. All the Shemus are singular. Elekim is plural. To the point that sometimes used even in Chai, like in Parshish Mishpatim, Elekim loy sekalel, which one view, the Machlech Zemishmol Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Kondre Bishmol, it doesn't mean Hashem, it means Dayanim, judges, they're called Elekim. And it's plural, Lashen Rabbim. 
But that's the Vart. The Vart is Elikim is Lashonam, not Chas V'Shalom because there's more than one Elikim, Chalila. Because Elikim is diversified in the human experience of Elikim. In other words, there's the what God means to me, what Hashem means to you. How I feel it, how you feel it. How you describe it, how I describe it. They may be, they may be, they may be all accurate. They may be some, somewhat accurate. In this, there may be distortions also, but that doesn't have to do with Elikim. That has to do with the way we perceive it, as I mentioned. You know, different people, how they perceive their relationship, what God means for them. But uh, even in the most powerful, so to speak, functional, wholesome, loving way, Elikim is my experience of it. So you say Elikei Avram, Elikei Yitzchak, Elikei Yaakov. There's complete unity. Complete unity. And that's why it's Lashen Rabin, because it's diversified. So you can have Beishameh and Beishilah saying two opposite things. And both are Divri Elikim Chayim. Because truth doesn't exist only one, it's not one color. Every color represents something of the, of the larger picture, like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. Every piece of the jigsaw puzzle expresses some truth of the ultimate picture. No piece on its own captures all the truth, but every piece captures some of the truth. And together they recreate the whole truth. So Shem Elikim therefore becomes individualized. Elikecha, Elikeinu, Elikai, Elikechem, our God, my God. What's Pshat? Anoichi. Hashem Elekecha, that a Noichi should become a Lekecha. That a Noichi, my essence, should become should become a Lekecha. That was the Chiddush of Matan Torah. All these words, Lamer, that a Jew should be able to say, to reveal that a Noichi, my, me, who is me? Me is without a name. It's not me the way you define me. My version, your version of me. Me, I should be able to become yours. The relationship should be with Ein Soif Baruch Mamish, with the infinite himself. So he continues, You see what we're holding. Yeah, it's page 30, the second column. One, two, three, four, five, six, six lines from the top. Bamidbar 30. Make sure you're in Bamidbar 30. To reach the Vayidabra, first you need Sphira Soimer, Zayin, Shavuos, Tisperloch, Mehachel, Hermes, Bakama. On this, the Pasuk says, in Parshish Re'eh, seven weeks you should count, from when you begin to take the sickle to the stalk. Which, of course, refers to the carbon oimer. You took the sickle, Charmes is a sickle, to the standing stalks of, of barley, and you cut it with a sickle, and you grind it into flour, and you offer the carbon oimer in the base of Mishnah, and that's when you start counting. This is the hachana to vayidabra lekim as kolad varimei lulema. Vayinyan the inyan is bekama ainu midas ativi yisham enefesh abahamis. Literally, bekama means the standing stalks of wheat, of barley, of grain. They're called kama. They stand tall in the field, and you come and you cut them, you harvest them, and you bring the carbonaimer. But bekama represents spiritually the natural midos of one's beastly consciousness, one's natural dispositions and emotions. Shehein p'chines yesh. On their own, they could be defined by a yesh. Yesh means egotistical. Completely self-contained. K'moy kama. Why is it called a kama? Like a stalk. Shehimedes al-amda v'kiyuma v'nitzeves b'maymet kiyum v'chazak. The stalk is standing there, erect, powerful, firm, strong. A person's natural emotions are a kama. They're very powerful. 
They stand, it's not easy to affect your middah. They stand very, very strong, unwavering. I mean, the wind could, do, could sway the stalk a little here, a little there, but ultimately, if it's a, if it's a healthy... <laughs> If it's a healthy stalk, it's not shriveled up, it stands strongly, and the same is with the Midas. They're very strong, and they don't, they don't, uh, they're not transformed easily. You've got to take the sickle to the stalk. I need to work with them, I need to humble them in two stages. One is called Eskafia, one is called Eshapch. Eskafia means, from the word Kaifa, right, like Lakof, the Rambam's expression, Chazal's expression, Kfiya. <laughs> Kfiya literally means to compel, to force. Ishapcha from the word lahapech, transformation. In English, to translate Ishapcha and Ishapcha, Ishapcha means subjugation. Ishapcha means transformation. There's two stages of how you deal with your midas. One is you subjugate, and one is you metamorphosize, you transform. And there are two phases, one follows the other. Iskafia means I don't transform my midah, but I identify it, and I don't allow it to control my behavior. That's called iskafia. So for example, I may have a bad temper. I may be, I want to maybe punch the window. I mean, I maybe want to break the window. I may want to holler. I may want to insult. I can't transform my midah. The midah is there. But can I, I can identify where it's coming from, and I could say, I don't want this part of me to rule my life. I don't want it to dominate my thoughts, my words, my actions. That itself is a very significant step in life. To identify the various forces that exist in you, the various emotions, and therefore to say, despite (coughs) you, despite this emotion being so powerful, I will be it kaifa, I will identify it and quarantine it and put it in its place. Imagine you're driving a car, and there's somebody in the back seat, and when you stop at a red light, he says, no, go, 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 take the red light. So you say, but this truck's coming the other way, it's dangerous. They can be hurt, I can be hurt. No, take the red light, take the red light. So what do you do? You take the red light, or you say, you know, thank God, I'm sitting at the wheel. Thank God, if he would be sitting at the wheel... It would be very dangerous. Now imagine that voice is inside you. It's not in the back seat. The back seat driver is you. <laughs> that voice is in you. Okay. But you're sitting at the wheel. That's the key. The problem is we become victims. We don't think we're sitting at the wheel anymore. So the one screaming, take the red light. You say, okay, take the wheel. Why are you giving him the wheel? So it's a voice. So what? Not every voice, not every emotion is Kaidish Kadashiv. You still have control over your life. That's Eskafia. Eskafia means you're kaifit. You put it in its place. You put it in its place. Eshapcha is already a deeper state. You work on yourself to the point that you rid yourself. You transform yourself. That's already a later stage. So generally in Avodah Hashem, these are the two streams. In Derecha, in Derecha Musr, Derecha Chsidus, especially, there's Eskafia and there's Eshapcha. Ulohanif aleim chermeis. You pick up a sickle to the kama. Lachrisan to cut the harvest, to cut the bar, the the kaima. Ulachaloisan. Lachaloisan literally means to uh, to I don't want to say destroy, but it means they should seize from the word kilyon. Ulahapchan mamash laayin to transform them to ayin. Now, when you read this without context, what does it sound like? It sounds like you take your emotions, your midas, your natural midas, and you cut them down, right? You cut them down. 
But let's look at the next line because this is such a key to see the context. And here's the key. What's your objective? That your natural seven midas of the animal soul should become Zion Shavuos Tispar Loch. The Lashon is Shiva Shavuos Tispar Loch. Who's Loch? Alpipshat, seven weeks you should count to you. To you. Taich is the Balatanya, there's something much deeper. What's Loch? Shetiyan Apteilos Vinichlolos Bemidus Alyonis Lecha Shem Agdulov Agvurum Atiferes Vanetzach Vahit. Shiva Shavuos, you want to take your seven midas of the Nefesh Abahamas, and you want Tispar Loch. You want them, they should start shining and reflecting Loch. You, Hashem, Lecha Hashem Agdulov Agvurum. Hashem also has seven midas. You want your middays should be aligned, mirroring, and reflecting God's middays. That's what that's that's what it means to make them from yesh ayin. Yesh ayin doesn't mean you destroy them so that you don't feel. That's not what iskafin is habcha means. You don't feel, so you know what the best thing is. You just shoot the guy, and then he won't have any bad middays anymore, right? But that's not a solution. The point is to align your middas that they should reflect their true source. What's their source? L'cha Hashem Vagvura. The truth of chesed is your chesed, your gvura. In other words, for my seven middas to function in their most optimal way is when they mirror their own source. When they project the divine middas, which is the source of my middas. Nasa Adam Betzalmeinu Kidmuseinu. That's how he touches Shiva Shavuos Tispar Lach. So if you wouldn't read this line, you would say... Go to the sickle, cut it, destroy it, exterminate it, right? That's what it sounds like. But then he adds one thing. You want them to be bottle v'nichlolois. What does bottle mean? That's why I always tell you, bittle means alignment. Nichlolois, they should become included in Hashem's midas. Shehin ptelin ba'ayin ain't saif mamash. So when he says la'afen la'ayin, he means la'ayin of ain't saif. Right, that's what ayin is. So what's the seven midas? Ayin means that they lack the substantiality of bruteness. They have the, the, the energy of the divine, which we call ayin because it's not something tangible. So we define it as nothing. In other words, ayin is, is, is a complementary. <laughs> ayin is complementary. In the higher space, it's the other way around, right? The yesh is, is cheap and the ayin is real. So that's what he's saying. That's Shiva Shavuos, Tispar, Lach, to the Lecha Hashem Agdullah. That's what you want to do. You want to take the sickle. To the Midas, to the Kama, on their own, the Midas, Arayesh, Akama. You want to align them, they should become bottle and Nichlol in the Oyrein Sof, Lecha Hashem Agdullah. To you, Hashem, are the seven Midas, meaning your own Midas are also submerged in your own infinite energy. Bezel Shekasov, this is Pshat, we say in Nishmas, every Shabbos and Yom Tov, Vechalkoima Lefanecha Tishtachava. What's Pshat Vechalkoima? Taichus de Balatanya, Pirush Koima, Pchinus Kama. This kama mehachel chemer v'chal kaima literally means v'chal kaima every standing creature. He says this kama lefanecha teshtach v'teshtach v'lefanecha mamish. It's the natural midas in a person. So you transform this kaima to ayin teshtach v'lefanecha to become aligned and one with you. That's what he said in the Maimer of Sfartem Lachem that we learned earlier. That Sfartem is like the word esesfiras usfartem Lachem. That your midas should be the spheroids. They should reflect the ten spheroids. They should reflect. They should reflect Hashem's midas. So, what is he saying here? What he's saying here is that to be able to get to Vayidabra Lekimas Kaladvarim Elamer, one needs the introduction of Shiva Shavuos Tispelach Mehachel Chermes Ba Kama. 
Now it's interesting because you know how the Rishonim define Bekama, right? The Kesef Mishnah brings in the name of the Rishonim and it's brought in Shulchan Aruch, that Sfira Sa'imer you have to count when you're standing. Even though you're Yotz if you did it when you're sitting. But the din is you have to stand by Sfira Sa'imer. Why? So the Rishonim bring and it's brought in Halach, Lamaisa. Because it says, Mehachel Chermes Bakama. Al-Tikre Bakama Ella Bekoima. Sfira Sa'imer has to be Bekoima. You have to be standing that's Pashat Alpinigla. What everything in Halacha represents something in Nister. Why do you have to be standing by Sphere Simon? Because that's what Sphere Simon is. If I don't have if I if I'm not a Yesh, I can't be Mavatal the Yesh. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I'm if I'm crushed, there's nothing to be Mavatal. To work on the Midas means you have Midas. You have emotions. And you're choosing to align your emotions with God emotions. And that's a very critical point in all these things that we discuss in all of these Maimarim. That Avoidus Hashem al Pichsidus is always a choice. It's a choice. In other words, if I take you take your two year old child and you tell your child you're a nothing and your emotions are nothing, you will mavatl the emotions from Yesh to Ayin. But what? You turn them not into a divine Ayin, you just turned it into uh, into nothingness. They won't feel that. I can promise you they won't feel. This happens. This happens. Tell a three year old your emotions don't mean anything. They're grub, they're animalistic, they're beastly, they're yesh, yesh. Stop being a yesh. What do you have? You have a zombie. That's not called bitl, it's called being a zombie. That's called a death sentence, an emotional death sentence. That's not with Hashem Abdullah. God is not a zombie, not a paralyzed, lifeless zombie. So, Bekoima, you stand. That's why Sphere Simon has to be standing. In other words, Sphere Simon means it's done, don't sit. Go and sit by Sphere Simon. So it's fascinating how the halacha lamaisa and the spiritual idea really mirror each other. Because when I'm sitting, I'm bent in. Real avoidance for a standing person. Stand, stand up straight. Don't limp and don't sit. Stand erect. In other words, what is it representing? I have my middas and they're powerful. And I'm working with them. That's exactly what you're doing. If you don't have middas, nothing to work with. So you have comma. You don't say, oh, it's such a pity. I wish the stalk of barley would have already been caught and ground up. No. It has to be standing in the field erect. <laughs> and you go with a sickle. And you harvest it. And you grind it. In other words, this is the avoider. It's a choice you make. It's a choice you make. It's not that you're forced. Because when you're forced, you're not doing anything. It's being done for you. And what's left? What's left is nothing. So this is a choice a person makes. So the avoider of Sri is standing, not just physically. In halach, it's physically. In chassidus, it's emotionally. My midos are standing. A person has very powerful dispositions and very, very powerful emotions. And what's the challenge? The challenge is to cut them from, <coughs> from their yeshes and align them with, with their source. Now here we also discover an important idea when we speak about working on somebody's midos. Often, you'll talk about a fact that a person needs to remove... Or, or, or challenge or refine his bad middas, let's say anger, or gaiva, arrogance, or achzarius, cruelty, or such types of, such types of middas, narcissism, selfishness, etc. The focus, though, here is not just on the middah raw. It's on something even deeper than that. And that's the yeshes of the middah. The yeshes of the middah. For example... You can have a person 
you'll call him a Balchesed. He likes doing Chesed, right? Or he likes the reward of that comes with Chesed. I don't only mean the reward he's going to be honored at the dinner. That's a special level. I'm not talking about uh, that type of person. I'm talking about the inner reward. Maybe even the feeling of Olam Haba, right? I'm going to get Olam Haba. It feels good. I could tell myself I'm a good, good person. People invest a lot in being able to telling themselves they're a good person, right? I do chesed, I do more chesed, and so on and so forth. What's the issue here? The issue is they may be doing chesed, but they did not liberate themselves from the yesh. In other words, they're completely, they're not feeling necessarily, uh, put it this way, the avoid here in the Midas is that the Midas should be aligned with Hashem's Midas. In other words, it's not just I'm doing the right thing because of my nature or because of a reward. The Chesed is a different type of Chesed. It's not a Yeshus Dike Chesed. It's a Bottle Dike Chesed. And the same is true with Gvura, with Teferis. It's refined. There's a divinity to it. There's a godliness to it. There's an Edelkeit to it. The person has actually transcended their ego. Because a person can have good middas, but if their middas are f- completely focused on their own perfection, I want perfection, I want schar, I want to feel good about myself, ultimately the kama I did not challenge. The kama is still there. I'm still completely caught up in the ego of my emotions. I did not transcend the ego of my emotions. It's still completely for me. My sense of egotism is at the core of all of these positive emotions. I'm helping you, I want reward. I'm helping you because it feels good. I'm helping you, I want to be called a balchesa to myself or to others, but even to myself. And then at night I go to bed and I tell myself, look how much chesed I did, consciously or subconsciously. That's not what we're addressing. We're addressing something much deeper. And that is the yesoid of the yeshes of the midas. That the midas should transcend the sense of self-centeredness, even spiritual self-centeredness. It's also a form of self-centeredness. The real bittal of a middah means that your middah reflects the divine middah. What does it mean that the middah reflects the divine middah? That the person's middahs are oizgeidl to middahs. The middahs themselves are not characterized by a yeshus. Sometimes it's the software that I change, but not the hardware. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing chesed, and I'm even feeling an inyan of chesed. But the person still remains stuck in the paradigm of egotism, detached from their source. So mehachel chermes bakama is a transformation of the midah, where the person can really, really feel the other human being because of the refinement of their soul, the refinement of their character. That's a, that's, that's a very important hadgasha here, in the avoid of midas, that the side of kedusha is bittel. Bittel means oneness with Hashem. Dveikus with Hashem. That's what the Yisoyed, the Yisoyed of Kedusha is. If that's missing, the divi- divinity of the Midas, it's still a Kama. So it's not just, okay, I learned, I don't say Lashon Hara, right? Or I, uh, I do nice things. That's all Gevaldik Yonam. It's certainly better than saying Lashon Hara and not doing nice things. And I, I, I'm not going to get angry and so forth. But sometimes... That only deals with the software and the person still remained completely imprisoned and confined in their absolute sense of egotism. And they're just serving themselves. 
What does it mean serving themselves? Themselves has different priorities. But they didn't go out of that. They did not go out of that trap of, of, of serving themselves. The Maharal writes that uh, it's, it's quite, it's, it's important words. That somebody who serves Hashem in order to get Elam Habas, he's not serving Hashem, he's serving himself. So one person does things in order to make money, and another person does things in order to make spiritual money. But they're still doing it for the same reason. They're doing it completely for self-centered purposes. He says it's not called Avas Hashem, it's called Avas Atzmai. I do it for myself. So these words of the Maharal are very heavy, because this means, what does it really mean to serve God? What does it mean to serve God? <laughs> if we're talking about you do it for Elam Haba, Schar, Elam Haba, so you're doing it for yourself. Not this world, next world. So you believe in another world, other people don't believe in another world. Or you think you believe in another world, or you're taught to believe in another world, or you're afraid. Avaidus Hashem begins with another stage. Avaidus Hashem begins when a person discovers that their true self, their true self is selfless. Their true self is deeply connected to Hashem, not just because I want the reward, so therefore I'm just using it for me. The question is, what, what's schar for me? So one person wants cotton candy. You get a little older, you want an iPhone. You get a little older, you want some covered. You get a little older, you want some Elam Haba. So that's just the question of what. But the concept is the same. Ah, or whatever, whatever it is. Now again, it's better than you know, you're doing everything for, for you're doing good things. Whatever the purpose is, we're not chas v'shalom criticizing the notion itself, but the true concept of avodas Hashem alpi pnimiyus is transcendence. What do we mean by transcendence? Transcendence means that the person elevates not just the midas themselves, but the yeshus of the midas. The Midas are not anymore yeshizdik. I'm not anymore a spiritually self-centered person. So sometimes you have a person, they're doing and feeling nice and beautiful things. But the internal, gullus, the gullus pnimi of Avedis Hashem, they could not get out of. Why could they not get out of it? Because sof kol sof, at the core of everything is an endless ego. And everything is to serve, to serve that ego. So there's something very... Huh? What? That's, that's natural, yeah. I'm just explaining what he's saying. Uh, I'm saying I'm how do you do You don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you say like the Rabbonshalm didn't make the world because of his feeling good. Chesed to the world. He created the world to be this chesed, but not because it made him feel good. Also, the whole reason why the world was created was so he could get reward. Doesn't that why he created the world so he could give us reward? If he, he didn't want to just give us reward, he wanted us to have to do something to get it. If we have to do get something to get reward, then why are we saying that trying to get the reward is not good? Now you're asking a good question. Now you're asking a very good question. Isn't it true that the whole reason the world was created because Hashem wanted to give people schar? So to say not to do something for schar is absurd. 
That's the whole core of existence. The whole core of existence is God says, I want to reward you. I'm not going to give you free lunch. Right? Nama de Chisufa. You're talking about the Ramchal? What which Sefer are you talking about? You're talking about a specific Sefer? Or just how you were? Huh? What? No, I'm saying this thing you quoted, that the world was created to get schar. Okay, fifth grade, fine. I just want to clarify. You still remember, huh? These things you remember. So he's asking a Gavaldic a question. The whole tachlis is, Hashem says, I want to give, but I'm not giving free lunch. Why am I not giving free lunch? It's the famous word. People are nama de chisufa, bread of shame, when you get something for free. You don't like it. Well, most people probably today do like it. But officially, when you get something for free, you don't like it. Okay. So you have to work hard. So Hashem says, work hard, and then I'll give you schar. This is the highest schar, ultimately. Huh? But this is ultimately the highest schar. This meaning and purposefulness is the highest schar. So suddenly when we say, it's not about schar, what do we mean it's not about schar? That's ridiculous. Why should I do it if not for schar? The whole title is for schar. Right? That's your Shiloh. That's a good question. <laughs> That's a very good question. Okay, we have to address it a little more, Baruchas. Lina, they will do that. I hope tomorrow. And uh, try to understand this a little bit. Okay, Chavon. Okay. 30 Bamidbar, yeah? I know I have a choy from yesterday's question about schar and, and yes. oynish and oylom haba. So we'll get to it, Be'ezid Hashem. I just, I have to formulate it in my mind, so it's not formulated yet, a, uh, an organized, uh, more detailed response. So Be'ezid Hashem, I'll remain a balchayv, okay? So let's continue Pedic base. Obir Hadavar. Obir Hadavar, explanation of the Inyan. Explanation of which Inyan? Said, Vaidabir Elekim is Kol Advarim The Tachlis of Kol Advarim is Lamer Anoichi Hashem Alekecha. That Anoichi should become Alekecha. But the Hachalat to this happens through Svidis Aimer. To explain this inyan, that the whole tachlis of kol is a beautiful chidush harim I once saw. He touches, it's really the nekud of this maimah, but the way he does it, you know, in his style, is the two liners. So he says, That Hashem spoke all these words, that a Jew should be able to say, in other words, that the tachlis of the whole Torah, any nekuda in Torah, is for a person to be able to experience anoichi Hashem alakecha. Kol advarim Any nekuda in Torah, a person comes across, it's not connected to anoichi Hashem alakecha. You're speaking with a, about a specific halacha, but sof kol sof, if you get it, the tachlis of every nekuda in Torah is that a Jew should be able to say anoichi Hashem alakecha. How does Torah do that? What's the connection to Torah? So this is what he starts explaining. Go bir hadav. Chazal tell us shenimnu v'gamru. Chazal tell us it's a Gemara in Kedushin that Talmud gadol me'maisa. The Gemara brings there machleikel between the Tanoim. What's gadol? Talmud or Maisa? What's greater, learning or doing? The Gemara's answer is 
Talmud Gadol, Shah Talmud Mevil de Maisa. So Nimnu Vagamru, the Talmud is Gadol. Talmud ultimately is great. The Gemara Taka says, Talmud Gadol, Shemevil de Maisa. But we don't say Maisa Gadol. We say Talmud Gadol. Talmud is greater. But Amru al Pasik, the Gemara says on the Pasik, Vichol Chafetzim la Yishvuba, Afilu Chafetzim Shemayim. Famous Gemara Moid Cotton. Shlema Melch says in Mishlei, Kol chafetzim, all chafetzim, all objects in the world, even desirable things, chafetz, lo yishvubo, don't compare to it. Zog de Gemara, afilu chafetzi shamayim, even chafetzi shamayim, holy objectives, don't compare to Torah, they don't come close to Torah. Obi Yerushalmi is semandam, and in Yerushalmi, in Peyed is a shita, shafilu, listen to the expression of Yerushalmi, shafilu ledover echad min ha-Torah, ain kol ha-mitzvahs kedai. All the mitzvahs, all mitzvahs can't compare to one vart of Torah. Now, these are very loaded perspectives of Chazal about Torah versus Chefzi Shemayim. We're not talking Torah versus cheap objects. We're talking about mitzvahs. So the Yerushalmi has a shita that all the mitzvahs put together don't match up with one dover of Torah, one halacha, one idea, one Indian of Torah. And yet, Chazal tell us in Kedushin, Talmud Gadusha, Talmud Nevi Maisa. In other words, the reason Talmud is great is because it brings Lede Maisa. So the Mashmoas is that Maisa ultimately is the Iker. It's just you can't have Maisa without Talmud. So of course you need Talmud. But not Talmud Gadol because Talmud Gadol. Talmud Gadol because that's what you need as a prerequisite. You can't do it if you don't learn. So we have here two streams in Chazal. On one level, Yerushalmi tells us all the mitzvahs can't compare to one vart of Torah. The Gemara Moed Cotton tells us, Kol chafetzim, even chafetzim shamayim don't compare to Torah. In Kedushin we say, Talmud gadol memaisa, but there's a reason, because it's mevile demaisa. What if it wouldn't be mevile demaisa? It wouldn't be Talmud gadol memaisa. So how do we understand this? How do we understand this? I just want to say one thing on a social level. People who are complete, don't really know the world of Hasidus from the inside, only from reading a few outside books, have the common, convent, have the common saying that there were two streams in Yiddishkeit. There was the stream of, so to speak, the Vilna Gon, the world of Lithuania, which was Torah, 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 Torah. And then there was the stream of the Balshemtiv and the students who said, yeah, what feelings and passions and emotions and ecstasy and so on and so forth. So... I always tell them, uh, you obviously had not learned more than, uh, you never learned any Maimeluk of the Torah, because if there's a truth to that or not is a good question. But uh, it's completely a narrow perspective, completely not understanding the whole world of Hasidus, and certainly not of Hasidus of the Balatanya, Hasidus Chabad. You could see here right away, right, I was giving one example of probably, uh, I can give you... Uh, literally 90,000 examples just from Lakut Torah and from his other Svarim. But uh, you right away see here how he's going to introduce already that in Chazal you have this Nakuda that all the mitzvahs don't even come close to Dava Medivri Torah. And yet we see, on the other hand, the emphasis on Maisa mitzvahs. And how do we understand? How does Yiddishkeit look at learning? How does Yiddishkeit look at Maisa, yeah? What's this Yerushalmi? That's a Gemara. That's, that's a Bavli. That's a Bavli. Bavli, Moed Kotten, Daftes. So what is Afil Chetzi Shemayim? Mitzvahs. Is, is that what it's referring yeah. to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or is it the reward of the mitzvah? No, no. Chetzi Shemayim means a chetz that's for heaven. 
תפילין, מזוזה, ספר תאיר, החפץ אוף שמיים. החפץ אוף שמיים. חפצי both means an object and also means desire, something desirable, like חפץ. אלא, the emes is, the Gemara asks this question. We don't have to go far. Gemara, in Bavli, Ramu Kroya Dodi. The Gemara, in Moet Kotten, Daftez, the Gemara says a contradiction of two psuk. Ksiv kol chafetzim lo yishvaba, filu chafetzi shamayim. Uksiv kol chafetzecho lo yishvaba. The mashman chafetzecho v'loi chafetzi shamayim. There's two psukim in Mishle. One pasuk in Mishle, Perek Ches, says, kol chafetzim lo yishvaba. All chafetzim. Stam chafetzim, even shamayim. Another pasuk in Mishle, Perek Gimel, says, kol chafetzecho lo yishvaba. Your chafetzim don't equate with Torah, but chafetzim shamayim do. Frek de Gemara, we have here an inherent contradiction in Mishle. What doesn't come close to Torah? Your personal issues, your personal needs, your personal chafetzim, or even chafetzim shamayim. Em for the Gemara, Mishani, Zog de Gemara. This is in Masech de Moed Kotten Daftes. Kam be mitzvah she'af shalasai sa'adehachedim. Kam be mitzvah she'af shalasai sa'adehachedim. Depends. If the mitzvah can be done through somebody else, it does not come close to Torah. And therefore, even chefzei shemayim don't come close to Torah. If it's a mitzvah that can't be done through somebody else, in other words, the mitzvah will not be done, then it triumphs over Torah. Then you stop learning in order to do the mitzvah. That's the claw. So therefore... Huh? What? Chafetzim means uh, objects, uh, assets, things, things. So there's things that are personal and there's things that are heavenly, like mitzvahs. So one Pasuk says that that doesn't come close to Torah. One Pasuk says it, it is. Huh? No, no. All mitzvahs are called chafetzim shemayim, objects of heaven. No, no, no. No, no. No, objects of heaven. Lulav and Esrig. It's not a personal, material thing. It's an object of heaven. Meaning God wants me to shake a lulav and an Esrig. Putting on tefillin, putting on a mezuzah, any mitzvah in the world. From dikas chametz to eating matzah, from blowing shoifer to lighting Hanukkah candles. Any, any mitzvah from the Tariyag mitzvahs of Torah. Tefillah, whatever it is, shachras, mencha, mairev, doing a favor to somebody, gemilas chasadim, tzedakah, bikr chaylam, achnasas archim, halvayas ames, nechem avelim, any of the mitzvahs, the rabbanan or the bedatayra, that's called chefzei shamayim, objects of heaven, meaning you're dealing with an object of heaven. If I take a dollar, I give it to a poor person, it's not a dollar, it's a mitzvah, it's an object of heaven, right? So the Gemara says it depends. If it's a mitzvah that will, could be done through other people, then you should continue learning. So, for example, I have a sukkah. I have to build a sukkah. There's a mitzvah called sukkah. Do I stop learning or don't I stop learning? I'm a yid who sits and learns. It's Erev sukkahs in the morning. My wife says, we need a sukkah. Do I tell my wife, there's a Yerushalmi that says that all the mitzvahs in the world don't come close to Torah. So you want me now to stop for eight hours and build a sukkah? Is that what? So what's the answer? The answer is, if there's somebody who's going to build you sukkah, let them do it. But if nobody's going to build a sukkah, so then you got to stop and build your sukkah. That's what the Gemara says. Mitzvah If it's a mitzvah you can delegate, somebody else can do it. There's a mitzvah of somebody needs tzedakah. There's a mitzvah of pidyon. Whatever the mitzvah is, a mitzvah of pidyon shvuyim. If somebody's going to do it, continue learning. If somebody's not going to do it, then you have to stop learning in order to do the mitzvah. We don't say by Talmud Torah, 
Ha'oisik b'mitzvah patah min ha'mitzvah. Since I'm learning, I'm patah from me. We don't say that by Talmud Tait. It's interesting. Why not? Why not? The Pasha the answer is, there's other answers. The Pasha the answer is, we'll soon see a deeper answer, is because if you would say, Isaac of Mitzvah, Patah ben Mitzvah, by Talmud Torah, you, you wouldn't do any Mitzvah in the world, right? Because you could always be an Isaac of Mitzvah, Talmud Torah. <coughs> I'll call upon him, this is the, what the Gemara says in Moed Kahn. Va'al call upon him, but what do we see from here? That Mitzvah, Shev Shalah, Saisa, De'achedem, Evatel, Mepnei Talmud Torah. A Mitzvah that you could do, even according to the Bavli. You are mevatel. You're not mevatel. A mitzvah that you could do, you're mevatel the mitzvah because of Talmud Torah. Talmud Torah wins. So even the Bavli, who doesn't say such a strong statement like in Yerushalmi, that all the mitzvahs don't match up to Torah, even the Bavli is mighty that Torah is greater than mitzvahs. Because the Talmud Bavli says if somebody else can do the mitzvah, don't do it yourself. You learn Torah. But Yerushalmi goes even more. The Yerushalmi says that all the mitzvahs together don't come close to Dovah Medivri Torah. So both Gemaris, Bavli and Yerushalmi, clearly put Torah on an elevated pedestal transcending mitzvahs. Now this whole idea is not incomprehensible. What's Talmud Torah? What are you learning when you're learning? You're basically learning, explaining a mitzvah how to do it. That's what you're learning. We learned today Mesech Beitzah. So what did we learn today? We learned today Mesech Beitzah about how to celebrate Yom Tif. It says in Torah you shouldn't do Malacha on Yom Tif. What does that mean? What does Torah mean? You shouldn't do Malacha, but you could do Eichel Nefesh. What it means? Am I allowed to grind kernels into flour? That was what we learned. So what do we learn about? We were learning Pshat, how to do the mitzvah of Simchas Yom Tif. Right? You're learning any Masechta, you're learning Masechta Shabbos. What are you learning? You're learning when the Torah says, don't do Malacha. What's Pshat? All the Pulpulim, all the Sugis, all the Rishonim, all the Achran, that's what you learn. Any Masechta in the world. You're learning Masechta Trumas and Maestras. What are you learning? How to give Truma. What to give, what not give, who give, when give, how give, at what stage, at what point. You're learning Masechta Sukkah. What do you learn Masechta Sukkah? There's a mitzvah to build a Sukkah. What's a sukkah? How to build it? What's kosher? What's not kosher? How many walls? What type of schach? How tall? How short? The walls here? The crooked? Whatever it is. See, I don't understand. Does this make sense? To learn about how to do the mitzvah is superior than doing it? To the point that if somebody else can do it, I shouldn't stop learning it? Could go in an example. I have grain and produce in Israel. I have to give truma. I have to give truma to 2% of the Kayan. I could do it myself. I can go to my field and separate the grain, 2%, then go to the Kayan and say, here's your truma. But let's say I can appoint a shliach. What's the halacha? I call it my, uh, I call it my child, I call it my friend. I'm learning. Take the truma, he's a very, very graphic example. Take the truma and go give it to the Kayan. Do it for me. It'll take you 45 minutes. Yeah, he lives on the other side of town. Take the truma. So he says, why can't you do it yourself, my dear friend? He says, I'm learning. Oh, what are you learning? So you open up, he's learning Mishnayis Masechta Truma. <laughs> what are you learning about? You're learning about that you have to give truma, how you do it, when you do it. I don't understand. Here you have an opportunity to practice what you preach. So Chazal say, don't practice what you preach. 
preach and don't practice because somebody else, let somebody else practice it. It's a strange thing. It's a strange thing. In no other area of life does this exist. Imagine a doctor is sitting and toiling over medical texts, medical books. He's toiling and he's huddling, he's trying to understand, yeah, how this part of the, the brain works and how this part of the heart works and how the kidney works. And he's huddling and huddling and trying to master a new development. And suddenly they call him and say, This man's heart stopped. Yeah? This man had a stroke. This man's blood, whatever. Send, send the resident. Say, why? What are you doing? He's, I'm trying to figure out how you heal somebody who had this illness. Chachem. Instead of sitting here, go do it. Go do it. Your whole tachlis while you're learning your text is for what? For what? To be able to practice it. To be able to do it. So now you have an opportunity to practice it. Say, sorry, I'm busy with the text. You're learning Masechta Trumas. Go do it. That's what you're learning about. No. Chazal say, you continue learning if somebody else can do the mitzvah. If nobody else can do the mitzvah, you don't have a choice, you stop. There's a psa havana here you have to understand. What's the vart? What's the vart? Achainyinu, the pshat is, it's a starker shayla, no? It's a starker shayla. It's not a starker shayla, okay. <laughs> Because if you have a, a doctor who can continue learning, then everything will, the other people will not know what to do for Elvin, will not advance. But this is not only on G'doyle Hador, everything. who are formulating the halachas. We're talking about an ordinary yid. We're not only talking about that individual, unique person who's basically in charge of writing the medical texts. Achayinyin, who the pshat is as follows. The Pshat is as follows. The Gemara says, the, the Mishnah says in Prikayavis, If there's no wisdom, there's no awe of Hashem. If there's no awe, there's no wisdom. So how do you begin? You're telling me if you start with Chachma, it's not going to work because you need Yira. On the other hand, if you start with Yira, it's not going to work because you need Chachma. So how do you start? Which one do you start with? Or really, the question on a more abstract level is, what's the connection between Chachma and Yira? L'chaida, Chachma is your learning. You're learning Chachma, you're learning wisdom. How is that connected? If there's no Yira, there's no Chachma, what? So the Yuvan in Yinzeh, Behekdom Levayir. This Inyan needs a big Hakdom. And here he goes in to introduce one of the big Yisaitis of Teres Hanister, especially Teres HaKabola and Chesedis, <coughs> to give a general beer. He can change subject completely to give a general hakdama to understand the big yisait, which will then bring us back to the two streams of Torah and Mitzvahs. You see, this Maimah Chazal works for people who, some people are bookworms. We all know with our own kids, some have, you know, zitzflesh, some are Baruch Hashem Atzliach in learning, they take to the books. So such a statement works wonderfully especially if somebody is uh, not social and, uh, you know, loves intellectualism and uh, loves sitting with svarim and with a book. So it works very well. It works very well. So for somebody who fits that category, they don't have this problem because Adarab, it's a wonderful thing. 
less uh, action and more intellectual thought. But the question is, in other words, the fact that it works for some people and it works beautifully for some people, does it make them better? I mean, I think what many people are struggling today in the community is something very profound, and that is, what is really a Talmud Chacham? If you were born with a higher IQ, and therefore you learn more, and it came easier for you, and you remember it much better, especially if you have a photographic memory, and uh, you love learning, and this is, this is basically, you Yetzirah also loves learning, so it works for you, does that really put you in a greater category than somebody else? Does that really make sense? Does it really make sense that somebody who is blessed with certain talents and gifts and resources and it always worked for them, so therefore they're a Talmud Chacham by nature, does this put the person by definition on a pedestal which really transcends everybody else? It's a little difficult to understand because you may have another person who's struggling with different issues, and they may have to work much harder in their stuff. So, it's very important that Yiddishkeit doesn't stoop down to become a primitive religion where really primitive concepts are embraced. For example, the idea that a person becomes inherently superior just because the fact that they have certain intellectual gifts that other people don't have. It would be very strange to assume so even though it becomes conventional by a lot of people. And, uh, you know, there's no necessarily prerequisite of deep personal refinement. It's simply a person has a better head and sagate besser. So you'll have in one yeshiva, you'll have a bacher, that it was always easy for him, and automatically he's considered, yeah, the greatest, the greatest, the best of the best. You have another person who may have to struggle with an Ahmed Gemara, the other person will take him an hour and him will take a week. And he's considered completely different. Now there's something unjust about that. There's something very, very uh, wrong about that. Because it's not based on MS and it's not based on Pneumius. It's based mamish on social superficial status. So in Hollywood they have one type of social status. And by us they have a different social status. But essentially it's based on the fact that it's not worked out necessarily. And it's not coming from somebody's personal avoid and yigiyah and refinement. It's mamish a gift that was given to him. So really, that's a form of racism. It's a form of racism. Yet we, are, we, 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 we support that very heavily. We support that with lots of casualties as a result. Lots and lots of casualties that's spoken about and even more that's not spoken about. A very deep frustration that comes from people really feeling what's, the, what's missing. What's missing is the godliness of it. The godliness of it. And this is very, very critical to understand as an introduction here. Because what he's going to discuss now about Torah and Mitzvah is going to be from a completely, completely different angle. Not the social status that you were in yeshiva for nine years in the best yeshivas, right? And you did well, and therefore automatically you're completely on a different madrega, even though in the privacy of your life you may be far more brute and far more narcissistic than anybody else. And it may be that your whole Torah was very narcissistic. Because, uh, as is often the case, the ultimate motivating factor is simply superficial egotism, which has very little to do with genuine confidence or genuine relationship with God or genuine spiritual experience. It's simply the system worked for you. My son goes to a particular yeshiva. It's a pretty intense yeshiva. 
So I asked him, what do you say about how is the yeshiva? So he says, they don't completely don't respect individuality. They want everybody to fit into a box, their box. He says, it happens to be that I'm lucky because by nature I fit into that box. <laughs> he says, but it happens to be by nature I work with that box. But he says, anybody who by nature doesn't fit into that box is completely crushed there. Completely, completely crushed because this is the box. Either you fit in or you don't fit in. When we discuss Torah in that context, it's very hard to understand that all the mitzvahs are not Kedayla Divrei Torah. What is this in Torah? What is this in Torah? If Torah is basically the social, uh, uh, I don't mean I don't mean the same way, but it's basically in the secular world they have Tony Awards, right? So basically, celebrities in that world, right? They're elevated and they become unique people. So what do you have to do to make it in, mishpah, in the magazines like Mishpacha? They have uh, four pages of pictures of G'daylum, how they light Hanukkah candles, how they do B'dikas Chometz. Uh, thank God they don't do them doing Ashayatzer. But, uh, but uh, they walk here, they walk there, they look at you, they don't look at you. What do you have to do to make it into that list? I once asked Abacha, what's your ambition in life? He says he wants to make it into that page. He want, and that's why he sits and learns Yoimam Velayla to make it into that page. Okay, I guess it's better than maybe other motivations, but there's something, something very, very toxic about that. Something very off, especially for 98% of people who uh, are not going to make it into that page. Uh, they said about somebody, they wrote it up about it, Rosh Hashiva, I thought it was degrading, they made it as a compliment, I didn't understand. But when he was a boy in Yeshiva, he had in his dormitory room pictures of a lot of G'daylam. And in the middle, he had an empty frame. So they asked him, what's the empty frame? He says, this is for me. This empty frame is for me. So, what do you feel about that? You know, what do you feel about that? Is it basically that we simply took something and we turned it into a shtickle idol? Now, it happens to be we took a holy thing. As we'll soon see, we took the holiest thing. But we turned it into an idol. It became a form of self-worship. Celebrity culture. It's a celebrity culture. And you happen to have a better IQ, mm-hmm. which is God's choice, not your choice. And you happen to be antisocial. And you even have Asperger's. So you don't even like dealing with people. So it's wonderful. <laughs> so just because this person has many challenges and they have a good IQ, so by default, you become... You become a, now, other, the fact that people get covered gesundheit hate... But the question is, is there a parameter here that's not very healthy, it's not very functional, it's not very normal, because somebody who doesn't fit into that is seen as a second-class citizen, or worse, a third-class citizen. So it's extremely important to elevate the conversation of Yiddishkeit to a far deeper space, a far deeper level. Learning Torah has an unbelievable quality that he's going to discuss, but we'll soon see what that quality is. And when one appreciates what that quality is, then the issues of equality, of racism, of kids struggling, of different IQs, is seen in a completely different context. And in order to understand this, he gives a long Hagdama, which is going to basically explore two Yisaitis that will continue tomorrow, known as uh, Mamala Kalalman versus Saiv of Kalalman, which was touched upon in different Maimari, but here it's going to be Peribarichis. In order to understand the two streams of Torah and Mitzvahs, which basically constitute uh, Yiddishkeit. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. 
please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.